Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor. Don't like your odds? Enjoy daily bet boosts on your favourite sports and make your best bet now at betvictor.com. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hello Chelsea supporters, this episode we are going to be talking about and remembering one of the most loved and popular managers in Chelsea's history. A man who guided Chelsea to promotion to the first division back in 1984 and he brought in players that would become legends at the club like Kerry Dixon and Pat Nevin just to name a few. This episode will be highlighting the Chelsea career of Mr John Neal. Joining me is a very special guest. Here is his son, David Neal. David, welcome to the show. How are you and the family? And how's life in the good old US of A? Well, it's uh, great over here. It's sunny and uh, um, enjoying life here. Uh, obviously, miss the, the football or soccer, as we call it here. And uh, yeah, so yeah, am, am I allowed to say that? I no, know. you, you, of course you can. Of course you can. We're uncensored <laughs> on this on this show, so you can say, yeah. you can say whatever so, you want. Yeah. It's great. The, the family, the grandchildren are, are all football fans and uh, they play football themselves. I coach still. So it's, it's great. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's great to... It's, the great thing about football here, it's coming on and um, it's getting more and more interesting. You just need to look at the supporters club Chelsea's got, you know, with Atlanta, Miami, all over the country. And it's, uh, loads, yeah. you know, it's great. It really is good. And, uh, uh, America's really come into the forefront with a lot of interest for, for football. So, yes, it's, been, it's great to be here. Good time. Before we sort of discuss your father, I just want to sort of talk about, as you say, the impact of football that's gone in, in America. Of course, you've got the World Cup coming up in a couple of years in, in mm. America. You've got the Premier League clubs that constantly go over there. Pre, you know, every pre-season for friendlies. Do you think it'll be a case whereby maybe one day, and it's probably not too far-fetched considering what the Chelsea owner Todd Bowley is sort of talking about in regards to football all-star games. Do you think there'll come a point where this 39th game will then be reintroduced and then you're going to get competitive league games over in the States? Yeah, because it's gone the other way with American football. It's, it's obviously uh, happening over in London just recently, I believe, um, at Tottenham's ground, uh, where they're having American. I think it could happen here. I think it would be great. I hope they come to Charlotte, um, where I am. 
Um, they have the facilities. The one thing about here, Keith, is the facilities are, are phenomenal. Uh, you know, I coach under under twelve year olds here, and we've got floodlights, and we've got a beautiful pitch, and uh, you know, it, it's 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 fantastic facilities. I used to remember when I I was playing at their age, I used to be up to my ankles in mud, and we never had gold nets. That's one thing for sure. You were lucky if you if you had gold posts. Yes. So, it's it's coming that way, and so to answer your question, yeah, I think I think it would be good for it to come that way. The issue with the the football over here is that we don't have promotion and relegation, and it really takes a lot of the interest for me, who who I'm used to that type of excitement, great excitement if you're getting promotion, but a bit of down in the doldrums if you're down at the bottom. But it, it adds that excitement, and they don't have that. It's if you're not in the the top or top one or two playing for the for the championship, what else you got to play for? And and I've I've argued that case over here many many times, and it's, it goes through the same with all American sports. There's no promotion and relegation, but I think I think it'll come. Um, one of my dad's old teams, Wrexham, they've been taken over by Ryan Reynolds and Ron McInerney. That's right, yeah, and. Um, you know, we follow them. I don't know whether you've been watching the Welcome to Wrexham thing on Disney Channel. That's been a popular documentary over here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's great to see it. And, uh, you know, um, the, the interest from that they've generated just for a small team like Wrexham, which, you know, is close to my heart as well, because that's who gave my dad's the, the first opportunity uh, in management. You know, it's, so it's, it, it's fantastic how it's actually generating a lot of interest this. And they had nothing to do with uh, football, you know. Those two, they, they admit they don't. They don't even know the offside rule. So, uh, although I've got to tell not you, not many I refs know the offside rule. Say that. I was going to say some of the refs I know don't know the offside rule, but there we are. So yeah, it's uh, it really is coming up. So to your point, yes, I think it, it's coming up. I think they've got a few things they need to tweak, uh, but I think it, we'll, we'll get there one day. Well. The purpose of today's show, we're going to talk, talk about your father and talk about the legacy that he left behind at Chelsea that people that I know, that I sometimes speak to at the bridge, still talk about to this day. So just to do the introductions, John Neal was born on the 13th of April 1932 in County Durham. He became a professional footballer and played for clubs such as Hull City, Swindon, Aston Villa and Southend. The first question I've got for you, David, was what was it like back then when your dad was a professional footballer? Was you able to see much of him, especially with the different travels that he had? What yeah. what was life like for you back then? I think it is, it's certainly a lot diff more different than what it is today for a footballer. That's one thing for sure. Uh, my dad was from the northeast, as you mentioned, um, basically based just outside Sunderland. Um, my my grandfather. Um, was a, a shop owner, but my dad had three offers. Uh, as a young guy, he played for a little team called Siltsworth, a village of Siltsworth, and he had three. The, the managers of three clubs went to my grandfather and uh, and asked him to play for him. One was Sunderland, one was Manchester United, and one was Hull City. And my grandfather promised that my father would play for Hull City. Rich Carter, if you look back at that old name, one of the best managers Hull City ever had. So my father went to Hull City, and um, during that time, he uh, um, uh, was uh, went to the RAF. He did his uh, national service for two years, 
um, and my met my mother and and I came along in Hull. Um, and then he kind of after the national service it went down a little bit. In, in fact, you missed one club out. Um, and not many people know this. He actually went to Kings Lynn. Right. He was a, he was a part time player there, and he was training to be a pharmacist. Believe it or not. Um, and uh, he, he but. Very quickly, a, a guy, and you'll probably know this, the name, the manager of Swindon Town, Bertie Mee, came along and uh, snapped him up. But he wasn't at Swindon for very long because another famous manager by the name of Joe Mercer came along at Aston Villa. And that was, that, that was the pinnacle for my father's playing career. Now, I didn't get to see. I was still very young though, in those days. But I always remember um, my first uh, uh, thought of uh, Aston Villa was, when he, when he was signed on, I used to stay with Joe Mercer and his wife, Noreen, um, because we didn't have a house. So I stayed there because I was going to school. I just started school. And uh, we bought a house in Sutton Coldfield just outside. And we had a, a, a lodger, the centre forward of Aston Villa, by the name of uh, Derek Dugan. I don't remember Derek Dugan was the Wolves. He, he actually owned Wolves at the end. But he used to lodge. He used to come. He used to be a flashy guy. He used to have a white Jaguar, bald head, and, and uh, very, he's quite a famous Villas uh, player. And he used to pick me up in this white Jaguar from school, which was a bit, a bit of a novelty for me. So remember that type of thing. But uh, I think I, I, I remember probably one game at the Villa um, because it was still around the 60 time, uh, 1960. Um, one thing that he, he did when he was the first in the first team to actually win the League Cup there we go. There, there's my father's tankard from the first ever League Cup final and winner. Wow. So there we are. I, I actually got that one. Um, needs a bit of a polish at the moment. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, they played Rotherham in the final and they, they won it in 1960-61. Um, and that, that, then he was getting to the end of his career. And then he went to Southend United, um, which was quite funny because uh, as a youngster... My, let me go back. My my brother, Andrew, he was born in uh, Swindon. And a funny thing, um, when he was born, the night he was born, my dad was playing at Portsmouth for Swindon Town. So he didn't get to be at the birth of my brother. So, um, so yeah, we um, and then we went to Southend. What well, liked Southend because it had a beach, a bit of a beach. <laughs> Some perks. And, um, yeah. And that's that's actually where he met Ian McNeil. Um, the his assistant at Chelsea, um, and they got together, got on well, and he had four years there and retired. Um, and then I started to see a lot of the South End games. Unfortunately, towards the end of the career, it was actually South End reserves, which was a shame because you know it was my dad, and he'd been yeah. at the top with Chelsea. He played at the top of the first division. He, he won the second division championship with Aston Villa as well. So you know. It, but anyway, he came to the end and he retired. But during that time at South End, he um, he actually got his coaching badge and his medical certificates and all that good stuff for football. Um, but there was no opportunities for him, so he went to believe it or not, he went to work for Fords in Dagenham, and he worked there for for, for six months. Um, and there's a funny story. Um, he went with his boots. And asked if he could play for Fords, the, the football team there. You know, they had a football team. And uh, they said, yeah, yeah, but you're going to have to just play in the fifth fifth tier, the fifth league. 
um, fifth team, I should say. Anyway, he so he turned up with his boots, and uh, my dad said he heard the the guy, the the, the coach or the manager of the fifth team, the uh, on the phone to the, uh, the the guy who run the whole lot. He says, "Hey, we've got a guy here. I think he's played a bit before." He says, "But I don't think he should be in this league because at half time he gave the talk, and we and they hadn't won a game in in months." And they actually won that game on the back of my dad giving the team talk at the, at the halfway through. That team actually became Dagenham and Redbridge. So the Ford's team became Dagenham and Redbridge. So he had another team he played for. That's, uh, wow. Yeah. So there we are. Anyway, a guy called Alvin Williams, who was the manager of Southend United, knocked on our door one day in, um, in Southend. And he said, look, do you fancy coming up as... It's an assistant kind of trainer type of thing for Exum. So my dad loves football, as you know, he loves football. And uh, so well, there we are, off we went up to Wrexham. And he was uh, within, I think it was probably a season, he was the manager. Um, as he said, nobody else wanted the job. So <laughs> they gave it to him. <laughs> and uh, he worked, he, he, he was there for 10 years. And I think it was probably some of the... You always, I've always got a, a soft spot for Exxon because they gave him the first opportunity. And unlike today, Keith, he, he, they gave him time. Mm. Ken Bates was the same. He gave him time. You don't get time today. Mm. You know, it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous that my dad, and I'm sorry, tell me to stop it. <laughs> but, no, no, no. The floor's yours, David. No, by all means, you carry on. It, it's it's ridiculous that I think Dave Sexton and my dad are the longest serving managers for Chelsea. And it's like four or five years. It, it's crazy. You know, it's 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 like uh, you you look at the managers and they're like that for the six, six months to two years if they're lucky. And it's gone. And, and I think it's a shame. And I think it's to the detriment of the, the club, the supporters and also um, football as a whole. But yeah, so he went to Wrexham and that's how we ended up there at Wrexham. And um, he got promotion on a number of occasions, got to the quarterfinals of the European Cup Winners Cup. That's right. There. Um, they got twice to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Um, and uh, he generated a lot of great players and we'll probably talk about those as well. Well, I was going to say, he's, you started his career at Wrexham and he done superbly well with them based bearing in mind he beat a lot of big clubs in the cup competitions mm. he then went on to Middlesbrough after his stint at Wrexham he was there for a couple of years and then in 1981 he got the call to take the manager's job at Chelsea do you remember this moment in time and what was the family's reaction to having your dad making the move to London, bearing in mind you was sort of quite settled in Wrexham, then you had to travel all the way up to Teesside and then come from there all the way back down to London. What was sort of the family's reaction like? Did you sort of happy about constantly moving or was there sort of a bit of trepidation? From Well, it was quite interesting because by then I'd got married anyway. Right. So I was settled with my wife and we were just having a young family then and Joanne and Samantha were coming along, my two daughters, and um, and, and that's what my mother wanted. She wanted uh, granddaughters. She didn't want grandsons. She'd had enough with two, grand, uh, with two sons. 
But anyway, she uh, they said, look, we, we let me just explain what happened with the Middlesbrough thing because it's, because one thing I can say about my dad, he was in the three clubs he managed, he was never sacked, which he was quite proud of. Um, at Wrexham, um, he, he left for Wrexham on the back of Jack Charlton. Jack Charlton left Middlesbrough. But what had happened at the end of the season, and they just missed out on promotion to the championship or Division 2 as it was, um, having led that league for, I would say, 90% of the time, the last two games just... They didn't, didn't turn up. Anyway, that's another story. But um, he found out that he was speaking to the chairman and the chairman was, uh, came and they were walking on the pitch. And I remember I was actually at the ground. Um, and the, the chairman said to him, he said, look, halfway through the season, Aston Villa came and asked if you would uh, be interested in taking their managerial role. And my dad was upset about it because he hadn't been told. He did, you know, because Villa was the team. He played for Villa and, and won some nice competitions with them. And he was really upset about it. And that's what kind of made him leave. He says, you don't do that to people, you know, to, to take away that opportunity. He did, never did it with his players. Mm. You know, when he had Michael Thomas and Joey Jones at Wrexham, he didn't stop them going, Mike, Michael to Manchester United and, and Joey to Liverpool because it, it benefited him. He made sure he had replacements for them, but he he made he he always put the person the player first. He looked after the player. He doesn't like didn't like agents because he said I'll look after you. But that that's a different world today. So anyway, um, so Middlesbrough came in for him. Um, one thing he was made sure that Wrexham had a good manager, his assistant Arvin Griffiths, and he took over Wrexham, and the dad went to Middlesbrough. Um, and and that that was hard because it, it kind of was my mum and dad had, were leaving us because uh, we'd been with us all the time at Wrexham and and they left us and uh, it was funny my, my wife and I had to get married on a, a Friday because Middlesbrough play Manchester United on the Saturday so we so we had to make sure we were married on a Friday uh, and my wife still has a dig at me about that today um, <laughs> but she understood Angela understood she she's she's uh, had to adapt um, to the football way of life, and she did very well. It was very hard for her to come in, and and the first we went out for dinner one Sunday, and and with my dad and mom and and my, and my brother, and, and we, we met up with the Daily Express reporting. We had lunch with him, and we sat there, um, and she had to understand that you know this was part of the family's life. I think one of the funniest stories I've got, Keith, and uh, as I say, this may be. Uh, when my dad was manager of Middlesbrough, very young in the the time with Middlesbrough, they were playing Everton on a Saturday, and he was the, the team came down to Liverpool to to um, stay overnight in Liverpool, and and Angela and I were going to have um, dinner with him, so we drove to Liverpool and we got to the hotel there, and uh, we said there was two security guys on the door, and I said, look, I'm here to have uh, dinner with. Uh, um, Mr. John Neal, the manager of Middlesbrough. And he says, yeah, yeah, he, he's through there. He, he's over there with Mr. Bill Shankly uh, over having uh, having uh, dinner. So we went over and Angela sat next to Bill Shankly and I sat next to my dad. Bill Shankly said to Angela, he said, do you like football? And she said, yeah. And she said, I do. That was the only words that we said during the, uh, during the dinner. My dad and Bill Shankly talked about people like... Uh, uh, Tom Finney and Stanley Matthews and the experiences they had. 
it was phenomenal. And Angela and I just sat there, and so we can at least say we had dinner with them, but we didn't say much during that. So, so that that's uh, so she had to get uh, introduced into football um, quite early in our marriage, and she, she's she's put up with a lot. But uh, but that, that was one of the things. But talking about Middlesbrough, you know, he went there, and they were middle mid table in the first division, uh, doing okay. Um, he bought a couple of players. One thing you, you know, he, he didn't spend a lot of money on players. Oh, no, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, Definitely, I've yes. Got, <laughs> I've got some statistics here. And it's quite interesting. I, I, it staggered me. I, I, uh, anyway, so he, he bought Billy Ashcroft from uh, Wrexham and uh, a couple of others. And uh, they started to, to go pull together well. Um, and uh, I got to a lot of games up there because, you know, we, we were... We visited my mum and dad, and they lived in Redcar. And we we, we uh, went to a lot of games. But as we went through that time at Middlesbrough, he, he created quite a great, t- good team with David Hodgson, um, Craig Johnson, Graham Souness. Uh, you know, some really good David Armstrong who ended up playing for England. But unfortunately, again, uh, an issue with the chairman. Um, he built a um, a big complex. Uh, attached to Ayrson Park, which was a gym and a restaurant and everything else. And he wanted to be paid. And he told my dad he's got to start selling players. Well, he'd sold a few. He'd sold Graham Souness to Liverpool. He'd sold um, David Hodgson to Liverpool. He sold David Mills to West Bromwich Albion. You know, he, but he was asked us now, the people that he brought in to replace them, Craig Johnson, Ian Proctor and people like that, he wanted to sell them as well. So my dad said, that's enough. You know, I'll go so far and, you know, I'll make money for you by selling players, but not at the detriment of the supporters who are coming through that gate every week to support a good team. You can't sell the best players. And uh, that's where he walked out. He actually walked out. And that was four years he had. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they did did pretty well. Again, they got through to the semi, was it the semi-final or quarter-final? Quarter-final of the FA Cup again. And, um, you know, and, and they were up there. They did very, very well. And uh, so he, that's when he left Middlesbrough. And uh, the opportunity came. Uh, there was, I think there was five clubs that came for him after that. And um, Wrexham was one of them. Um, AK Athens, of all teams, was another. St. Louis was another. Northampton Town. And I think it was Warsaw. So the five teams that are, you know, but then Chelsea came along. And, and, and so we, we had a discussion, obviously, we, my wife and I and the kids lived in uh, in Wrexham. We said, oh, come back to Wrexham. You know, this, I think they were still in the championship at the time, at the division. I said, come back to Wrexham. Can't he? But my father was a great believer in one, never going back. You know, it's, if you've been successful, don't go back. And he said... This is a great opportunity. And he, he said, it's, it's not the Chelsea it is today by a long way. Oh, this God, is, no, no. Yeah, this club was on the verge of bankruptcy. I mean, on the verge. To the point when he took the job, and, and I was pleased he took the job because it's a big club no matter what. You know, it's, even though they were bottom or in the second division, struggling, um, a lot of money going out on wages and things like that. Um, they're still a big club. But the funny thing is, so he took the job, it was Jeff Hurst he took over from. That's right. 
Yeah, and Bobby Gould was, I think, the assistant at the time. Yeah. Um, and Bobby stayed for a, a, a couple of weeks anyway. But anyway, uh, um, he, uh, the funny thing is, when he was at Wrexham, he had a nice brand new Ford Granada car. He goes to Chelsea, he has a second-hand Datsun. <laughs> so that shows you how bad the money was. And uh, he, uh, he, it was great because he, he got there and he looked at it and he didn't realise how how, um, how bad it was from a financial point of view. And he, he had players there that, uh, I'm trying to be polite, but they, they, they felt they were off, um, owed uh, right. to be a player at Chelsea. I mean, Dad wanted people that had come into the Chelsea team and 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 fight and die for those supporters and, and for the club. And he, that's what he was brought up with at Wrexham and at Middlesbrough, that they would, you know, they go out in that field and that shirt they're wearing, that's it. It's, um, so he had to make some big decisions. But before that happened, before even the first season, um, about six weeks into the close season, he was starting to put things together as best he could. Um, Lord Chelsea came in and, and, and Mr. Myers, the, uh, Mr. Mears, the um, chairman, and said, we got some bad news. And my dad said, you can't sack me. I haven't even kicked a ball yet. You know, and I remember him saying that to him. He said, I told him I haven't kicked a ball. They can't sack me. So he said, no, no, no. He says, we've sold the club. We, we, we've got, you've got a new boss. And he said, okay. And he goes, uh, yeah, his name's Ken Bates. And I've got to tell you, Keith, I think from Chelsea's point of view, that era is the reason why Chelsea is here, here today. Ken Bates, he, um, he came in, he, he inherited my dad. He inherited Ian McNeil. He didn't inherit the team because my dad sorted that out eventually. Yes. Um, but... He he inherited it, and came, it's for somebody to come in and inherit a, a club like Chelsea, as the chairman, sit down and talk to my dad, and say, okay, what's you you know, I want to give you a chance. What's your plan? And he put he laid out a plan, and it wasn't a plan for a year, or it wasn't a plan for eighteen months or two years. It was a plan for three, four, five years down the line. And he says, I can't turn this club around tomorrow. He said it's going to be hard, and. Um, Ken Bates gave him the opportunity. And Ken Bates had a lot of, he said, "You, if you sort out the playing side, um, to me, Dad, he said, if you sort out the playing side, I'll sort out the other side. And he had a hell of a job. And the reason being, there was um, developers that wanted Stamford Bridge. That's right, and, yeah. And there was even, I, I, my dad brought him home. There was even blueprints of Stamford Bridge. The only sporting event that would, was on that, where Stamford Bridge sits today, was a tennis court on top of a high-rise building. That was it. And it, it kind of was breaking my dad's heart, but knowing that Ken Bates, if you want somebody on your side to get something done, he was the guy. And, um, yeah, he, 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 was, he got on wonderfully. Yeah, a lot of people, Chelsea supporters say, how do you get on with Ken Bates? They were like a house on fire. They got on really well because... You have my dad, who was really quiet, but tough as nails. And you had Ken Bates, who was totally the opposite way, tough as nails and not very quiet. He told you as it was. Um, and it, it was a very good relationship he had with Ken Bates. Um, 
a little bit at the end, right at the end when uh, he left Chelsea, but th- that was that was inevitable, and uh, uh, that was some another story. But yeah, but he 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 gave them the opportunity, and the first season I think they ended up twelfth um, uh, in the league. Hmm. It was the next season of Medads that they really avoided relegation. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and. I, I remember him being asked to say, what would have happened if, if he got relegated? Just oh, Ian and I would have had to go, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know, we would have gone. So he, he's got a lot of respect for people like Clive Walker, who actually, that one goal at Bolton. That goal gets helped, Bolton, yes. Yeah, helped us stay up. I was at that game, actually. And, well, I was uh, going to ask, did you, when John became the Chelsea manager and he, he obviously told you certain things about trying to change the club's fortunes. Did you attend any of the Chelsea matches yeah. in the early yeah. days at, at Stamford Bridge? And, you know, what sort of stories have you got of those particular games? And did you ever sort of get to meet some of the players as well? Oh, yeah, I knew a lot of the players and, and, and do today. It's, uh, um, uh, in fact, I'll, I'll tell you a story about a couple of the players, but I, I can say that I think the one, one, one game that upset me, we played the year that we were... Um, uh, um, really close to the bottom and, and really in danger. I think that was was it eighty two, eighty three. That's right. Yes. Um, we we went to Fulham, and uh, I was sat in the stand with Chelsea supporters. But in in a Fulham, you have to come up, walk across in front of the stand, and I was with the Chelsea supporters there. My dad got me the tickets, and and it, he was booed. You know, and, and it hurt me, and it hurt my dad. Because I knew what he was going on behind the scenes and what he was trying to do. And I think it's, it's like all supporters, you know, some of them wanted a little bit of instant success. Now, the interesting thing is a year later, and we drew one all that, that day at Fulham. And, um, a year later, we went there, sat in the same place, and he walked across there and you would have thought that it was, you know, he was just the king. You know, we won 5-3. We're on our way to a great season. And it's amazing what a year can make, you know. And I got the, the downs and the highs. But, in fact, to the point of the 80, uh, 82-83 season, he stopped Angela and I going to the games. Um right. Yeah. Um, he had a, a number of threats and things like that. And um, he, he said, it's not the best place to be at the moment. He says, we'll get it turned around. He says, come back next year. And, you know, it's, and I was playing still. Uh, I actually played a little bit uh, for Wrexham still um, in their third team and uh, second team. And, uh, uh, and that was only part time. So I was, I couldn't get down as much as I wanted, but I got to see a lot of the games, um, especially the, the following season. So we were talking about players and if I got to know players. And I'll tell you a funny story about Michael Thomas and Joey Jones. Um, know them well, still in contact with them. And, but it, on a, a cold Sunday afternoon, when my dad was manager of Rex, and they, uh, he used to have a, a scout by the name of Evan Williams up on the North Wales coast. And every now and then we'd hold trials at Llandino Borough Football Club. On a Sunday, we, we'd, he'd collect all these trialists and they'd have a game with my dad and, and his assistant Arvin would go down and watch and see if there was anybody there. So one Sunday afternoon we we went and it was uh, it was awful weather. Anyway, my dad said, "Look, we're short of a play. Will you play?" I said, "Yeah, yeah." So I played and um, went through the whole trial, 
And he said, well, what did you think? And I was only 16, 17 at this time. You know, I was playing in the youth team. And I said, no, there wasn't anybody there. He goes, oh, he says, I think there's two players. Shows you how much I know about footballers. You know? <laughs> he says, there's something about them I like. So the next thing is, he comes out, these two lads arrive at our house and stay the night, and they're, they're, he's got them on trial at Wrexham. It's Michael and Joey. And uh, he he gets some lodgings just up the road from us. And he has them as apprentices on the ground staff and and uh, great characters. Used to, you know, I, we used to play in the youth team together, in the B third team together, and uh, fantastic characters. Except they didn't like to be away from home. On a Monday, you could guarantee the first trip my dad would be making would be to Colwyn Bay to pick Michael up from his mom and dad's because he didn't want to be away from home. So he used to do that. And and uh, they're both from great families. Uh, and I always remember that my dad letting them go to Manchester United and Liverpool and then to Chelsea. When they came to Chelsea, my dad was over the moon that they were coming because they needed... Joey came a little early. And he says, I think the Chelsea supporters are like this lad. And I said, like Joe, what's the not to like about Joe? <laughs> so uh, anyway, the first game's against Carlisle. And uh, Joey's on there. And he comes to him. And my dad's, one of my dad's best friends, we tre- he, he was best friends with Bill Shankly, Brian Clough, and a gentleman called uh, Bob Stoker. who was the Sunderland manager. But at this time, he was manager of Carlisle United. And Joey goes through this winger. I mean, he just wipes him out. And Bob Stokoe's out of his dugout and coming up my dad. And I'm thinking, no, that friendship's gone. You know, but uh, it didn't. But he was... And Joey got sent off first game. Yeah. And I know today that people were just a bit like that about Joey. They, they, they... And I think he's probably one of the, probably one of the most loved players that Wrexham have, uh, Wrexham. <laughs> Chelsea have ever had. And Wrexham have ever had, actually. So, uh, so yeah, he, uh, so that's how they came to, to be where they are at, at, at Chelsea through Clandon No Borough trial there. And that, as I say, I, I wouldn't have taken them, but guess what? You know, and, uh, and I tell you something, it, as you go every season, I believe that you have a little dip. And we were having a dip in that third, 83, uh, 80, 83, 84 season. We we're having a little dip. And he brought in Michael. He needed just something in midfield. And Michael was the type of player. And I used to remember, I used to train with him at Wrexham. He'd beat you on the training pitch. He'd beat you. And he'd come back and beat you again. You know, just for fun. And he, he was, he, he, I don't think people realise how good this guy and how much area he actually covered. And you just think of that midfield with Spackman and uh, Michael Thomas in the middle. And my dad always said about Spackman, Nigel Spackman, he had three longs. You know, he, he just never stopped. And uh, so, yeah, there's, a, there's a, a couple of things. The sad thing about Michael and, uh, and um, Joey was at the end, because my dad would allow plays. They, they, again, they were homesick. They lived in Wrexham. So he allowed them for the first few days of the week to train up there. And he says, as long as they turn up for me on a Saturday, I'm very happy for them to do that and be a part of Chelsea Football Club. And, um, and that's how he ran the club. That, you know, he would look after the players. And he did that. And unfortunately, that changed when um, uh, my dad uh, left the club. 
Hmm. And uh, they see the, the manager then, John Hollins, actually said, you've got to move down here or you're not in the team. Hmm. And that's what happened, unfortunately. And, and that was the start of the breakup of the team. Hmm. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's rather, rather sad in my mind that that happened. But, yeah, so, yeah, there's some, uh, some great memories there. Great memories. Just want to touch on sort of how John was as a, as a coach. Would right. he be the sort of guy that would come home, if you know, and then show his frustrations after a defeat, for example, or would he be some, somebody who would just sort of go home and then not talk or be worried about the football? Tomorrow's another day. Would he be that sort of kind of? Yeah, he, he, he just he never. He was a very quiet, calm type of person. Um, even when my brother and I were growing up. It was, it was the type of person that he, if you got a look from him, you knew that was it. You didn't need to say anything. It was the same in football as well. Um, he was very involved with the coaching. He was very, he was there. In fact, I, I think uh, somewhere along in here, I've got some a picture which I can show you of uh, him at Chelsea. Um, excuse me. There we go. That's There's right. a picture of him. I don't know whether you can actually see that. Yep. But there we are. That's that's typically it. That was him with his shorts on and his and he'd be out there. And he's got his coaching badge. He he he, he was a defender as a player. He was attacker as a manager. You know he. Uh, um, here, here's interesting. The, the the goals from 80, 81 to eighty two, um, we scored. I think it was sixty. I'm going to have to get my glasses on somewhere. Sorry, I'm going to put my glasses on. I actually wrote it down for you. Um, we actually scored, where, where was it? Here we go. 59 goals, 81 to 82. 82 to 83, we scored 43. That was the year that we struggled. Yeah. Then the year that we got Kerry, Pat Nevin, Michael Thomas, Paul Carnival, you know, yes. all these great players. We scored 90 goals that season. 90 goals. That it's just to me that's staggering, you know, and that's the way he was, you know, he wanted to get out and get goals, and that's when I say he was planning, he was planning for that, you know. Because in '82, yeah, he also brought in David Speedy. Yeah, what was your thoughts of him signing for Chelsea as well? David Speedy, well, he, you know, that's a, another thing. David came from Darlington. And my dad, and this is where, where it upset me a little bit that people didn't understand the work that went into Chelsea or the making of Chelsea Football Club. On a Tuesday night, cold Tuesday night, he went up to Darlington, drove from London to Darlington to watch Darlington play some other team, I'm not sure which one it was. And he calls Ian McNeil and says, you've got to see this lad. He said, this guy doesn't stop. He's, he's arrogant, he's niggly, and boy, is he a good player. He says he may fit in. So Ian came up, who Ian McNeil is, was the most underestimated assistant manager and manager uh, ever, I believe, because, you know, the, he was the guy who got Wigan Athletic into the uh, Football League. You know, it's it, it, he, 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 brilliant. And he always was very, very good with um, scouting of, of players. So, yeah, my dad brought him down from Darlington. He, he paid a fortune for him. I think it was something like 15, 20,000 pounds, you know, and. And David came in. So he had David Speedy there. And then he brought Joey about the same time, I think. So that's, that's right, yeah. 
Yeah. And that's when, you know, Ken Bates, the chairman, at that end, end of that season, had the thought, well, look, we're at the bottom of the league, but he didn't, and say, let's look for somebody else. He didn't. He could see what Ian and my dad were trying to do. And that I see a big comparison also between Graham Potter today and my dad. You look, you look at his where, where he played. He played in the lower leagues. He did have a couple of um, excursions into the uh, Premiership or Division One. But look at the clubs he managed: Ostersund, a, a Swedish team out of the fourth division. You know, he's, he then he went to Swansea, a Welsh club. My dad was at Wrexham with a Welsh club, and you know, it was kind of small. And you had to um, create a club on a shoestring. You know, you didn't have all this millions and millions of uh, pounds and dollars. Now, whether my dad would be any good with a lot of money, I'm not sure. But <laughs> he bought the 13 players that he bought for Chelsea Football Club that got them promotion. He bought them for under $700,000 for everyone. That's less than 50000 you know, about 50000 per per player. Well, I've got, the, I've got the list of some of the players and we'll talk yeah. about sort of them from 82 and even 83. We spoke about David Speedy. I've got the sort of figures, £80,000. Yeah. Joey Jones, £34,500. <laughs> and then we'll touch on the the summer of 83, that sort of the start of the promotional campaign. Eddie Nedswicky for 45,000, Nigel Spackman for 30 for 35,000, Joe McLaughlin for 95,000, yeah. Pat Nevin for 95,000, Alan Hudson he brought back in he he returned to Chelsea that was a, around 23 and a half and then Kerry Dixon for 175,000. Yeah, he went berserk there, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. re- reading those names just Obviously, there, there was players afterwards, but just reading those initial names—that's some list. Yeah, uh, and, and it, it's funny. I, I've got to say something about Eddie Nigerisky. I can actually take credit for getting Eddie Nigerisky to Chelsea Football Club. And I told you, I met Eddie at my, my father's funeral, unfortunately. But it was, and I said to him, I said, "You do realise you got to Chelsea because of me?" And he said, "Well, why was that?" I said, "Well, it was a Sunday morning." I said, I was at my mum and dad, Stanton and I, and uh, my eldest daughter, Joan, were, were at my mum and dad's down there in Chalfon St. Peter's. Um, and uh, uh, the phone rang. So I went and picked the phone up. It was in his little snogger area there. And um, I picked the phone up. It was um, Ken Bates. And uh, he he said, uh, you know, is your dad there? I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, um, I'll go and get him. He says, no, no, hold on a second. He says, you actually know Eddie. and have You, you played with him, I think. Uh, at Wrexham, what do you think? I said, I've got to tell you, I think the guy will be the Welsh, a Welsh international and not just a one-off Welsh international, he'll be there for a while. I said, he's got everything. He's got the the, the character, um, he's got the heart to be a great goalkeeper at a great level. And um, and I, I, and uh, he said, okay, that's fine. I said, look, I'll go and get my dad. And he said, no, 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 that's fine. That's all I wanted to know. And he put the phone down. So on the Monday, because we were there for a long weekend, my dad came back from work from from Chelsea and uh, come in for dinner. And he, he said, did you have a phone call yesterday? I said, yeah, yeah. He said, oh, I forgot to tell you. I said, Mr. Bates rang. And he says, yeah, no, he's, he's just given me permission to buy Eddie and I risky. So, uh, so I said to Eddie, I said, I got you that job. <laughs> 
What a fascinating story. That's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, so he, so Eddie, Eddie was, and, and again, I, I was so upset. My dad was upset about Eddie because they played him. I think it was at Notts County where he hurt his, he, he injured his knee and they shouldn't have played him. And they played him. And this was when my dad wasn't man. And he, he, he uh, um, actually retired him. That, after that game, he couldn't play again. Mm. And um, my dad was upset about that. He, he, because Eddie had a, a great future. He had at least another few years on that. Goalkeepers have longer than most other players. And so, yeah, and, um, and Pat Nevin, um, he, he got him from Clyde. And uh, if you look at all these teams, that he's, he's not going to PSG or Inter right. Milan. I know, or, I know. He's going from it's, Clyde it's or, or, or yes. Bournemouth, who, who, you know, it wrecks them. They're all down there and... Uh, and and this is this is what I say. I was so happy when Graham Potter got the job because I could see here's a guy who doesn't have to pay millions. He he can see this. There's a lot of managers, by the way, in the lower leagues that need a chance in the Premiership. Hmm. You know, my dad got the, a chance by although they were struggling at the time, but he got a chance at a big club, hmm. and Ken Bates allowed him that chance, and he allowed him the time. But I don't think there's the time. Um, I'm trying to think of the Wickham manager. I think he'll be a great manager in the Premiership one. Um, but yeah, he, he, but funny thing about Pat, um, my dad loved Pat Nevin. Him and because Ian McNeil's obviously Scottish, and he 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 knew the Scottish players inside out. And it, it, he went up. They both went up there, and they they couldn't believe it. Um, he said he, they were watching him, and they fell off their chair twice trying to watching him weave through people. Um, but he said, he said, um, you give the ball to Pat Nevin, he said, and you can go and have a cup of tea. He says, either you still have the ball or you would have scored by the time you get back. He said, he, he's that good on the ball. He was he's phenomenal. And uh, they paid extra for him because Clyde were struggling. And they actually gave him an extra £10,000 for Pat to help them out. Mm. So, uh, so yeah, he, he was, uh, it was a pretty exciting time. I think he signed 13 players on. But then he joined him with people like Cannibal, um, Chris Hodgins, Mickey Droy, you know, Johnny Bumstead, Colin Pates, uh, and, and Colin Lee, you know. I think one of my, the best, from the players that were Chelsea, uh, from the foundation of Chelsea, I think he was so happy with Paul Cannibal. You know, he... Paul was, he, he was a little different. There was two players like that. Peter Rhodes-Brown was the same. He loved Peter Rhodes-Brown. He was so fast. My dad loved fast wingers. Pat wasn't so fast, but he had the skill to go with it. Um, he, he said to Peter Rhodes-Brown once, and I, I asked Peter, if because I heard this, um, that he, during a, in the dressing rooms at half time, um, Peter was great at very fast and he gets in, 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 he gets to the corner, and there's he doesn't know what to do with it. So he said to Peter, he said, "Look, when you've got the ball, get down that wing, get to the corner flag, turn left." He said, "Turn left and go down there." And and, and then he started complaining at him about he got down to the corner flag so quickly he could have been that quick that he could have got his his centre and headed it in as well. He was so quick, but yeah, so. He loved those wingers, but Paul Cannibal was something something different. You know, he, he was fast, quick, and, uh, you know, he, 
you just said everything, personality. And I'm so pleased for, for Paul that he's, he's doing well at the moment. Now, the 83-84 season would go down as one of the most probably memorable seasons for certain Chelsea supporters because that was the season we went back up to the first division. We would end up winning the league that season. As you say, we scored you know 80 to 90 plus goals with the team that we had and it was a very popular team. And it must have been a great achievement for your father and for, in fact, your whole family to see mm. him being part of that promotional side for Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah, it was. In fact, uh, there is the medal. There's the medal. That's the second division championship medal Fantastic. at Chelsea. Wow. So uh, I was lucky enough that I inherited a few of the, these things. Um, yeah, it, it was. It was a it was a surreal season, really. It was uh, because at the beginning of the season, the chairman came in and said, "Look, you've got six games." He says, "You've got six games. I'm willing to put some money up, um, and let's let's see what we can do." Well, he didn't need six games. The first game, I think we was it Derby we played. I can't remember who we played in that, but we won like big. Like four four nil, and um, and he kind of it was it was great to see kind of some relief come after a really tough eighty two eighty three to see, and he didn't sit back obviously you know but the players he brought these all these players in um, Pat Nevin and, and Nigel and Kerry and and they they gelled with um, uh, with Speedy and. Mm. Uh, a few others, and Joe McLaughlin from Man- uh, from Middlesbrough, um, they they gel so quickly, and it's very unusual. Normally, you 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 have six months to actually gel a team together, but there was six, seven, eight players, along with some of the the good uh, old foundation players, that actually took that team through. As I said, they had the dip. They brought Michael in just to secure things off in the middle. That worked. Um, and then you, you had a great, I don't know whether it was that season that we had the League Cup run, 83-84, um, where we, we lost to Sunderland. I think that was a big disappointment for my dad. But anyway, that was a another one where we lost in the semi-final to Sunderland in the League Cup. But, but that aside, um, and I think the Grimsby game, the final game of the season, and when Kerry put that ball in the back of the net, because we actually won it by um, goal difference. Um, and and that's where the ninety goals came in. It was, mm. um, yeah, it, it, and we missed a penalty in that game as well. You know, if I remember rightly, but the Chelsea fans were fantastic. Oh my goodness, they were absolutely fantastic. Um, it, it, it's great to see. I think one thing with Kerry Dixon, a lot of teams wouldn't take a risk because he was at Reading. Um, he only paid, I think, it was about a hundred and something thousand for him. And they took a risk, and he, it was a calculated risk because my dad watched him a lot, mm. and he, he honestly believed he would become an England international with the right team around him, and he, he did. And him and Speedy didn't get on well, I don't think, uh, um, <laughs> personally wise. But but I tell you what, what on the football field, forget personalities. It's it, they they were something special, weren't they? And uh, yeah, it, it was great. It was a great season. 
um, great players. The interesting thing is I, I actually looked because uh, when when my dad left the club, obviously a lot of those players went. They were sold. And they got less, as I say, he, he, he cost less than, I think it was about 600000 for the whole lot, 13 of them. They actually sold them for over $6 million. So from a business point of view, they did pretty well. I don't think it was a good move on a lot of these players because uh, I think they were the foundation to build to go even further. Mm. And the, the, the club was, the, the, my dad's team was dismantled pretty quickly. And um, that, that, that was very sad. And uh, I, I, it's, I know that when my dad, although he was asked to leave, um, he, he got a little upset with it in the end. Before we talk about sort of that era when your father mm. left Chelsea, he must have spoken to you or your, your, your family about how excited he probably would have been to be back in the first division as a manager with Chelsea, with that squad competing against you know the big clubs in that era, the likes of Arsenal and Man United to an extent. Did he feel that this was, as you say, the start of something special with them players potentially seeing what develops? They could have a good cup run, compete well in the league because that season Chelsea finished sixth. And when I've spoken to players that were part of that side, to have a promoted team finish in that position probably wouldn't happen in this day and age. No. Plus, Chelsea did reach the League Cup semi-finals that year. And players like Pat, like Kerry, were becoming fan favourites. Yeah, this must have been very special to watch, even you know for someone as yourself. Yeah, seeing yeah. your dad pretty much create this. Although Ken yeah. Bates brought, took the money up, it was your dad's creation, basically. Yeah, yeah, and it was he. You know, with the help of Ian McNeil. And the yes. scouting abilities and the understanding of players, Ian was phenomenal. I, I can't say enough about Ian McNeil. It was a, a you know, you, you talk about Clough and Taylor and people like that. These were the the quieter ones. It was Neil and McNeil. You know, they were the qu- quieter ones, and <laughs> but they they got a job done and and they they did it on a shoestring. And I always remember because my dad went into hospital and he had his heart. Um, issue and uh, they got over that and he was feeling great um, he, he was told to take it easy so I always remember the first game against Arsenal um, where Kerry scored the equaliser and, and Highbury erupted I was oh, amazed yes. where there were Chelsea supporters yeah. there were Chelsea supporters everywhere um, and that that was and you could see in my dad's face when that goal went in that you know this is something special and he expected that within probably two or three months that, you know, he was coming out of it then. He, he, he was back to getting normal. Um, and by the end of the season, he'd be ready to go again. And Ian actually was the, the, the caretaker manager. And my dad just expected to come back in. But um, John Hollins actually, um, I think, got the ear of, of Ken Bates. He was a, John Hollins was a very good coach. I don't think he was a very good manager. Um, from that point of view, and maybe I shouldn't say that, but um, my dad would probably be annoyed at me saying anything about people like that, but but he knew that, I think. And at the end of that season, when John Hollins, and, and then you could see my dad being pushed to a football director of football 
Um, John never, John Hollins never spoke to him uh, about any well, any advice or anything. And uh, and then Ian was kind of his assistant, but John didn't really want his assistant, him as the assistant. Right. So, you know, and then it came that he wanted to start, start selling some players. He would, the, I explained about the Joey and the Michael thing, not wanting them to um, be away at Wrexham and uh, not adhere to what they wanted. But then he wanted to change the format of play. So he instead of where, where you gave the ball to Pat and the ball would go up the wing very quickly, go from from defence to forward very, very quickly. My dad liked that. He, he liked to get the ball and not play it around the back and, and, and wait. And like they do, today frustrates me. The England team frustrates me today because they get the ball and they play it back. Yes. And then they play it along. Yes. And then they play it back again. And and it, it happens a lot in the Premier League. It happens every league. I've, I watch Wrexham and, and they do it. And I think, why are you doing this? Mm. Get the ball forward. And my dad was a great advocate for getting the ball forward. That's why he had people like Michael Thomas, Paul Cannival, um, Rode, Peter Rhodes-Brown, Pat Nevin. You gave the ball to him in a blink of an eye, be up uh, crossing it from the byline, you know, and he started in his own half. Um, but John Hollins wanted to take away that. He wanted a passing game. He wanted the passing game. So Pat said, well, that's not me, you know, and, and, and a few others said, well, that's, that's not us. That's not the way we've built this team. Um, that's how we, we did so well in that 84-85 season by, because we got the ball back quick, uh, forward quickly and you had two players in there with Speedy and Dixon who could put the ball away. You know, you get the ball up there to them, let them do the work. And anyway, he wanted to change it. And um, so he, he started to move people like um, Pat Nevin out and and that and my dad got a little upset about that. He could see the way it was going, and he 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 made to the point. He said, "I can't. I've got to say something." And he did, and uh, unfortunately, that's when the falling out came. And, the, uh, and I was he, just going to ask before we sort of discuss that side of oh, things. Sorry, I'm jumping out. No, on. no, 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 no. Like I said, the, the floor's yours. And with John technically moving upstairs, is that that's that's the term sort of being yeah, from director yeah. football. Did he have any trepidation about it? Would is it something that he thought he you know because of his health he had to do it, or was it something that he no, was he, pretty much forced upon and thought you know for me to sort of stay part of the clique, so to speak, this would be the best thing for him. Was was it something that he wanted to do? No, he didn't want to do that. He, he, he there was no way on earth. He, my dad was he's tracksuit manager. He wants to be out there with the boys. He wants to be out there working with them and talking to them. And he, he wasn't given that opportunity. Um, he believed, he honestly believed he could continue after, you know, the first season in the first division. He was coming back into it. He was actually coming back into it. And it was at the end of the season that uh, uh, Mr. Bates said, look, we've got a position for you. You need to relax. Well, he didn't need to relax. He knew he didn't need to relax. And, uh, and it, my dad hated it. He hated, you know, it was a position with Chelsea Football Club. He understood Ken Bates was the boss and that's what he wanted and that's what was going to happen. And, uh, yeah, he, he hated it. And I hated it. For, the family hated it for him. He would come in at night and he, he, he'd done nothing, but he could see a team 
the first the first season he was back, as I say, where they ended up six, he was part of it. You know, him and Ian and John. To be fair, John Hollins as the coach, they worked together and they did well. But then they kind of pushed him to one side. Uh, John Hollins pushed Ian McNeil out. He went to Shrewsbury, and uh, so yeah, from a family point of view, it, it was a sad time for us. You know, it's uh, we got to see him a lot more, obviously, um, which has had a, a benefit. But uh, it, it wasn't; it, it was a sad way for him to end his managerial career. I think. And because of this, I'm assuming the friendship slash relationship that your dad had with John Hollins probably would have changed a little bit, knowing that John would then become the manager. And then, as you say, he would have his own ideas about how he would want the team to play. He'd look at certain players. I believe Joey Jones left, as you say, quite shortly after John Hollins took over in Mm. in 85. And there was other players that went to and from. Did your dad ever come to you or any other family members and sort of, you know, voice his concerns about where Chelsea were going in terms of okay Chelsea are still in the first division but he felt something wasn't right he put a he put a very brave face on it right you know he he, he put a very brave face on he wouldn't he, he he it took him a lot to um actually get his feelings out he got to the point where he could see the total dismantling and that that was very out of character at the at the end that he would do that because, you know, John Hollins had a job to do and he appreciated that. He was put in a different position. Um, he, he came with the family. We, we could see this isn't what he wanted. Uh, in fact, he actually, and I, I can say this now, he, he went after another job. He had an interview with Coventry City. Um, and uh, he didn't uh, get the, uh, he didn't get the job. Um, but you know, he, he said, I, I can do this again. So that's how confident he was. But then he retired and my mom and dad moved up to St. Andrews in Scotland after retiring. Uh, but yeah, he, he did come to us, but he, he was kind of very low key. He was, he, he was an introvert and he, he had it all up here, but he wouldn't let it out. And we could, we could see he was hurt by it. Did it hurt him when Chelsea did get relegated in 88, knowing with what happened? Unbelievably. Obviously, Hollins left mid-season when Bobby Campbell took over. But as you say, the team that he created and the club that he was creating, it was a completely different club three to four years after that. Yeah, it was. He he, he was really upset about it. He... It broke his heart to see, you know, the good work that Ken Bates had put in and everybody else had put in, just to see it do that. Um, he was very happy with Bobby Campbell because he, he was good friends with Bobby Campbell. Um, I can thank Bobby Campbell for my uh, golf swing because we played. He was It was great because he was a member of Wentworth and he got, got me and my dad onto Wentworth. So, uh, yeah, he, he, he liked Bobby Campbell. A different character, different type of manager. But, you know, um, very uh, player-minded. And, and that was good. He, he, he knew a bit. And he did well for them. You know, to be fair, he brought them back, back in and he did a great job. And uh, it was that kind of dip between 85 and I think it was 87 or 88 um, that, uh, that kind of upset. Because 
the plan that my dad had got um, when he started was, as I said right at the beginning, was a two to three to four to five year plan. Mm. The way that he knew the way he wanted to play football, he knew the players that he he uh, he wanted, um, and uh, it started to come together. And it did come together, and then for it to be dismantled, it was uh, a little sad for him, I think. And uh, but he, 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 as I say, he he was too much of a gentleman to actually uh, to, to to say anything. And he said, "Look, okay, if this is the way Chelsea want to do it, that's fine." Um, they know best. Ken Bates had the had the club at heart all the time. So, you know, you make decisions and if, if they don't work, you change them. And, and that's what he did. He changed it and they, they got back to where they should be. And today we know where they are. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's chalk and cheese. I think if you take a, a new supporter today from Chelsea and you say, then you were nearly bankrupt. The manager was driving a secondhand Datsun car, you know, um, uh, one, one other story I've got to say to you is um, when my dad first was there, they, they put my mum and dad up in um, in the uh, Hilton at uh, Heathrow, and we were having dinner. I went down, my wife and I went down to to meet them, and uh, we were having dinner. And uh, this supporter comes over and he says, "Can I have your autograph?" And my dad said, "Yeah, sure." So he gave it to him. Yeah, he says, "Oh, I thought it was Terry Neal. You're not manager of Arsenal." <laughs> so that that summed me dad up, you know. He, he's he's a, a guy from Seam Harbour near Sunderland, very um, uh, low profile. Uh, but this guy thought he was Terry Neal. Of uh, so it was funny that he said, "Oh, you didn't want your autograph. I want Terry Neal." So anyway, there we are. Another another funny story. It was funny to us at the time because we laughed our heads off at it. After sort of the 80s going into the 90s. Did your father get the chance to go to any Chelsea matches? Was he invited by Ken Bates at all? Yes. To sort of come back and sort of see how Chelsea have developed because Stamford Bridge, the ground itself was completely changed from what it was like in the 80s. Did And was he pretty proud and pleased to see Chelsea winning the FA Cup in 97 and has, having that little spell in the late 90s with Rude Hullet and uh, you know, before that with, with, with Glenn Hoddle. Mm. What was your father's take on that particular time at Chelsea, if you remember? Oh, he was he was very, very proud to be a part of that organisation. And um, I think, uh, yes, he was invited back. I'm going to tell you, him and Ken Bates, even though at the end it got a little uh, tense, he... Um, he got on very, very well um, with him. And, and Ken and, and the backroom staff were brilliant with him um, if there was anything going on. And they are with the players, you know, Joey and Michael and, and the rest of them. They still go down and um, are invited down for players' uh, reunions and things. And they, they were, he was invited. Now, he didn't get down as much as, as they were inviting him simply because he lived in Scotland and um, he was getting older and... Uh, um, uh, towards the end of his life, he he had dementia, which was very sad. My brother and I wanted to take him for the last time to, to Chelsea around. Um, I I would say it was a, around two thousand and eight, uh, and but he couldn't make it uh, sadly, and it, it, that was uh, um, rather sad. Um, but he 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 was very very proud of what he did. He was very very proud of Chelsea. He was. 
because it's it's very easy to get a club to a certain level and then all of a sudden fade away and never come back. Mm. And Chelsea didn't do that. You know, as I say, Ken Bates was the constant factor there and he, he held it back. And my dad was proud to be the start. I think he was the start of it. Mm. Um, I know that uh, Jeff Hurst and a few others had some really nice players, good players there, but they also had some pretty um, poor players as well and poor characters, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, but yeah, the foundations were set for what they are today. And the great thing about Chelsea Football Club is they never forget. You know, if I ever call Chelsea Football Club and I say, look, I, I'm, I'd like to come. I, but the, um, when my father passed away, um, Chelsea invited me to the, the Tottenham game the Wednesday before his funeral and on the Thursday. And uh, i got to tell you, it, it brings tears to my eyes today. The applause, they had a minute's applause. And even the Tottenham supporters were phenomenal. Mm. You know, it was it was something really special. I've actually got that on. My my friend came with me because he drove me down. The hospitality was lovely and everything. And and uh, he videoed it. And it was it was uh, really touching. That that long after, you know, remember this is 80, 80, uh, Um That long after, it, they still remembered him. Yeah. You know, and uh, I, I was amazed when when I, I contacted. Uh, the Atlanta Blues and, and said, look, I'd like to join your thing. My name's David Neal. I'm thinking they probably have no idea who he is. And sure enough, the amount of people that came back, said, oh, wow. You know, and it, it, really, it was, it was stunning. It was stunning because yeah. I had yeah. sort of Brenda come to me and say, oh, you know, we've got this gentleman by David. Have you seen our Facebook comments? Have you seen it? You know, what's been sort of going on? So I've had a look and there was comments galore. My, my God, yeah. you know, you're the, pretty much blew up it was just it was just yeah. incredible and yeah. as you say you talk about okay it was 83 84 you know pretty much football was completely changed the things i get from supporters and even from the players that i've interviewed that was part of that era they still fondly remember that time yeah. when your dad was in charge and it was just from what i can gather from it it was a happy time yeah, it was. The players were great together. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it really was a, a, a happy time. And, uh, you know, and I'm still in touch I, because I joined the 80s Memories, which is run by a, a gentleman called uh, Harry uh, uh, Merchill, and a great guy. And I joined that. Joey Jones said, join this 80s. He says, a lot of people talk about your dad. And I said, yeah, okay. So within hours of joining, Harry contacts me and says, hey, would you like to do a Facebook uh, um, question and answer? And I said, yeah, sure, okay. And he, he said, I'll only take about an hour. I think it took about two and a half hours because people were just asking questions after questions. And, you know, biggest question, by the way, was how do you get on with Ken Bates? You know, <laughs> that, that's the that's the biggest question. I well, guess. that's been answered today. So yeah, if anybody yeah. sort of still is wondering, you know, yeah. you, you've heard you've heard it here first, folks. And before we sort of conclude the interview, and again, David, thanks for coming on the show. It's been over the moon listening to these stories. It's been fantastic, mm -hmm. and it's been a pleasure. Your father did pass away on the twenty third of November, twenty fourteen, at the age of eighty two. Yeah. He's still, as I said, 
and we've discussed it, he's still fondly remembered by a lot of Chelsea fans from that era. And if there was sort of one thing that you could possibly put your hat on when you heard from Chelsea fans that wanted to give their condolences, what was, was there one particular story you got from a Chelsea fan that was talking about your father? Do you have any sort of stories about like, yeah. the feedback that you got from not just the fans, but also the, the club itself? Yeah. Oh, they, they were phenomenal. Um, you know, it, it was the same at Middlesbrough and, and Wrexham, but Chelsea mm-hmm. kind of were, were, were fantastic. And uh, um, the, the couple of things, I think to see Chelsea supporters, because my, my father, the, the funeral service was in Wrexham at the parish church there, a very big church. And the, the amount of Chelsea supporters that were there, you know, that, and, and I always remember one that um, he, my father, I think he went to, I think it was at Manchester United. And he was, goes through and the guy, one of the supporters actually said to him, I, he, did, he told me his name once, I forgot what it was. And he, he said, um, he was getting his autograph as he was going in. And he, he said, you're going to, you, you hope you enjoy the game. He goes, oh, I haven't got a ticket. And he says, my dad went in and bought him a ticket. Didn't go and get a compliment, went and bought him a ticket. And he says he bought the ticket out to him. And he's, and, and I heard that from a couple of Rexham supporters as well, that he, he couldn't get any complimentary tickets or anything for him, but he went and bought him a ticket. And he said he gave it to him. And he said, and I think that's the type of thing. My, my dad was, he loved it. He, he, as I say, he's from Seagram Harbour, a coal mine in town in the northeast of England. And um, he, he was down to earth, and and he, he really appreciated uh, um, the support. You know, people travelling up from London to see Chelsea play. You know, the least he could do was get them a ticket. You know, if they didn't have one, he was going to get them one, and, and that was nice. Um, the, the 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 guy wrote to me about that, and uh, um, David Sorrell, uh, he's a, he's a, another big Chelsea supporter. He's he, fanatical. He's he's got a, a whole range of photographs, photographs I've never seen. Yeah. And you know we have our own family photographs, yeah. but he's got a great one of my mom and dad at Wembley for the um, uh, for the cup final, uh, which was the uh, members' cup final. And I'd never seen it. And I said to David, "Have you got any more?" And he said, "Yeah." He says, uh, "I've got loads." And uh, so you know, it, it's fantastic. The other one was he used to go down to. Um, uh, the training grounds, and uh, my dad used to invite him in. You know, a, f- a funny story. There was a lady um, whose son was uh, a Chelsea supporter. Yeah. It was at the time when there was a bit of uh, roughness going out on the, in the, on the terraces, and mm. she um, uh, said, "Look, my son is involved with this. Could you have a chat with him?" So my dad invited him in, and he, he was a polygamite. Um, Guy. I don't know whether he's still about. I'd love to see him if he is. And um, he sat him down and he talked to him. And um, anyway, that night he brought him home for dinner. He, he brought it to a house and, and we had a lovely dinner with him. And my brother and I took him out to play football up at the f- school fields as well. So he was. So anyway, the following week, um, he, he, goes, he goes away and comes back and um, comes to see me dad. And, and every single morning, his mom would send a bacon sandwich from my dad. And he'd actually he'd walk into the ground and say, I'm here to see Mr. Neil with his bacon sandwich. And uh, 
Anyway, he, he uh, used to visit us at, uh, at my mum and dad's house at Chalfon St. Peter's, and we used to go across the pub and play some pool with him, and him and his girlfriend used to come. And it was great because his mother was so... Because it kind of got him out of the, I'm going to call it aggro point of view, um, the violence side of it, and he enjoyed football. And my dad talked to him about football, and his mother was so appreciative that he kind of brought him in, and uh, my dad did that. You know, he... he he loved to hear from supporters. I think I think it gave him a bit of a kick to 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 hear what people had to say about the club and how well they were doing. Wasn't so good, as I say, when I sat in the stand at that Fulham in the eighty two eighty three season. But the mm. you know it's uh, yeah, so some great stories, some you know that my dad actually created by by being a part of uh, Chelsea Football Club and the supporters. You know, they just uh, I don't think there's any supporters like them in the world. I really don't. They're just, uh, they're, they're uh, cut above everybody else. I used to do a lot of travel to Asia and uh, you used to go to Hong Kong. Chelsea supporters there. You know, I, I was, I remember being in a line in, in a, a supermarket, not supermarket, a, a, a restaurant. And there was this lady who was wearing a Chelsea. She said, Oh, I'm the, the me- I'm the head of the, and she was uh, Caucasian. Uh, she, I said, um, Yeah, I'm, I'm the head of the Chelsea uh, Hong Kong supporters club. She said, uh, and I'm involved a lot with Chelsea Football Club. I said, wow. I said, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's just, yeah. it's fantastic. You go anywhere. And it's the language of the world. You know, football's the language of the world. It doesn't matter who you support. You know, I support Wrexham. I support Middlesbrough. I support Chelsea. You know, it's, it's just fantastic. And it's great to see my grandchildren all supporting them and uh, enjoying it. Enjoying it. It's, it's been a great... Uh, life for us all you know my dad created an interesting life because we didn't have any background in football before he started playing for Siltsworth and uh here we are yeah here we are an hour and 15 minutes later and uh, I probably bored you to tears no don't you dare say that it's been an absolute (laughs) pleasure John Neal was the manager of Chelsea in 203 games winning 84 of them with a win percentage of just over 41 percent if there is one word to describe your father to conclude this today, what would it be? One word. Um, oh, you can have three. I can have three. Okay, okay. Go on, have three. I, w- I would say I would say he's very respectful. He is quietly proud of what he achieved. I think. I think he was quietly proud. He wouldn't get up on the roof with a flag waving and say, look what I did. He'll never do that. He would never do that. But he would be quietly proud and uh, proud of all the players he, he worked with, the supporters that eventually loved him. And uh, I think he, he, he was, he went to retirement uh, very, very happy, you know, with his, what he did in his playing career, his, his managerial career, with the three clubs he was there. Um, so I, I think he was very proud. It was great because it, it, when you look at it, he ended up on a high note as a manager. He just got the club to the first division. They were sixth in the league and they were going places. And I think that's, it's always good. It's hard to leave on a high, I suppose. And he did, he left on a high. So yeah, there we go. Well, David, I can absolutely say that this is one of the best interviews that we are likely to do because we have remembered one of 
as I said at the top of the show, one of the best loved and most popular Chelsea managers of all time. And I mean that. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming on to the show today. I've appreciated it. And I know our listeners in the UK and even in the US where you are at the moment are going to enjoy this. And, you know, hopefully, you know, one day you you and you can take the the kids and the grandkids back to Chelsea and hopefully see them potentially win trophies again as they did under your father's. Yeah, I hope so. I think they would love it. I think they would love it. I'd certainly love it. I know that. <laughs> Brilliant. David, thank you very much for coming on to the show. And thank you all... for giving me the opportunity to actually share some of the, the stories. I don't very often get a chance to do that. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Keith. Okay. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.